It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you're dead. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com on the Giants mobile app. It's all brought to you by Cadillac, the official luxury vehicle of the New York football Giants. Giants fall to the Miami Dolphins 31-16 down at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. John Schmelk, Lance Meadow with you. We'll get to as many of your calls as we can. And the banks are already full. 201-939-4513. Not a surprise. Uh, I talked about the po- on this for the postgame for two hours yesterday. Casillas and I also did the Rapid Reaction podcast in the Giants huddle. So you've kind of heard my opinion on it. So Lance, I'll hand the floor to you. Go whatever direction you want. <laughs> well, to me, one of the most telling statistics is the fact that the Giants had the ball for 36 minutes in time of possession. And only managed to score nine points because the seven that the defense accounted for, to me, does not apply. And frankly, and count. The, after the O'Karake interception, the Giants gained four yards and kicked yeah. the field goal. Well, so it was the, really six points. Yeah, because it was the Miami 23 where they took over and they only wound up at the Miami 19. Of course, a holding penalty didn't help the cause on that drive. But yep. when you have the ball for 36 minutes, I've talked to a lot of executives and coaches around the NFL, and I think that this puts it in perspective. They've said... Their goal is time of possession. You should have a point for every minute in time of possession. That's the ultimate goal. So if you hold the ball for 36 minutes, you want to be able to say you walk away with 36 points. When you hold the ball for 36 minutes and you only walk away with nine, you've got a major problem. And that's not the only issue, of course, that rose throughout the course of the game. But Miami is the number one scoring offense in football. They lead in scoring. They lead in total yards, passing yards, rushing yards. We talked about this last week. If the Giants had a reasonable, legitimate shot, you can tell me all you want about the takeaways. You can tell me all you want about preventing the explosive plays. You need to be able to match wits with the Dolphins. You have to be able to put points on the board. You have to get to 30 at minimum. Yeah, and 27 maybe. They were not able to get even within striking distance of that. I mean, here you have a game where your defense scores a touchdown. So that's a huge check because that's a step in the right direction. But... The offense was not able to capitalize on the field position. They did not score any points off of the fumble. Then there was one drive where, if you remember, they had three straight negative plays, and that was one of their most productive drives. You have Eric Gray run for a loss of a yard. Then Daniel Jones gets sacked. They bring out Graham Gano for a 55-yard field goal, and he misses that. So when you try to go through a game and you got to put together 10-play drives and 13-play drives, something negative is going to happen. Lance, and you hit it. I'm looking at the two drives you're talking about, and this is why the Giants had the time of possession advantage they did, right? They had a 13-play, 48-yard drive and a 13-play, 44-yard drive. The first drive went from the first quarter to the second quarter. The second drive was at the end of the second quarter. And very quickly here, I don't want to bore people to death, but these are the length of the plays on those drives, all right? You would a five-yard run, a 21-yard run that got brought back because of holding, so so that doesn't count. 13-yard play, 1-yard, 8-yard, 2-yard, 0-yards, 4-yards, 15-yards, 4-yards. Then you had the negative 1 and negative 6, right? Then you had the other long drive. Incomplete pass, incomplete pass. You had a 21-yard gain on a 3rd and 10. It was probably their best play of the game. No gain, 3 yards, defensive offsides, 1 yards, defensive legal substitution, 1 yard, 6 yard, 5 yards, 13 yards, 1 yards. There just aren't chunk plays in there. Yeah, no explosive plays at all. They only had two passes of 20-plus yards well, they had over three the course plays of the overall game. of 20-plus yards. Correct. So yeah, that was it. it's just not going to be enough as, as you move ahead here, Lance, to, to match a team like the Dolphins scoring-wise. And once again, a big part of that was the protection. They gave up an over 50% pressure rate, 14 quarterback yeah. hits, seven sacks. I thought Daniel Jones played Okay, I thought he was fine. I thought there were a couple passes where maybe the location on some of those short ones that Wanda Robinson where you want to maybe catch and run, they weren't quite in the right spot. Yeah, he spot. threw one right to the ground, and he had the whole field wide open Correct. in there front was, of him. There was another one where he threw it uh, a little bit too low on Wanda, couldn't come up with it on sure. a third down, too. Yeah. But overall, I thought Daniel Jones was okay. But again, and especially once you got late, and it was a two-score game in the fourth quarter, and the Dolphins knew the Giants had to pass to win the game, that protection completely broke down. 
Yeah. And both Daniel Jones and Tyrod Taylor got the you-know-what beat out of them. As, and it wasn't just one offensive lineman. It was an array of offensive linemen got beat play after play after play after play. Across the board. Plus, all six penalties were against the offensive line, which obviously did not help the cause. I don't think that was the make-or-break element, but based on these lengthy drives, you're going backwards more so than you're going forwards. Miami also shut down the Giants' run game. See, if they had some semblance of a run game going, it could have went a long way to maybe help them finish drives or manufacture some more favorable downs. I didn't think the down and distance was that bad. They had 17 third down opportunities. Miami, by the way, only had eight. Now, they had the lowest amount coming in. That's why Wink jokingly said during the week that if you get the Dolphins to have 15 third downs or something, you should throw yourself a parade on the sideline. Yeah, Dolphins, That's a victory. By the way, best first down team yeah. in the league heading into this game. Over seven yards per play on first down. And that's why they barely face any third downs. Correct. What's amazing to me is the Dolphins had, here's another telling stat, the Dolphins had four touchdown drives. They faced one third down on all four touchdown mm -hmm. drives. And the one third down, they only needed four yards, and they hit Tyreek Hill for the long bomb over 60 yards for a touchdown. So that's what you're working with. That's why the onus of this game was on the offense. Yes, the defense has to perform better. We've talked about that in nauseam, but this was an offensive game. This was a game where the, you needed the explosive plays. You couldn't go down the field with bits and pieces because you weren't going to be able to do that consistently. And for the clan of our listeners and viewers who always subscribe to the School of Thought, well, play keep away, right? Just keep Tua and everybody on the sideline. to score points. It's all about what you do with time of possession, John. It's not about yep. winning time mm -hmm. of possession. And this, to me, spelled it out beautifully. 100%. The Giants held the ball. You had that mission accomplished, but you've got nothing to show for it. You took the ball away three times, but you only scored 10 points. So I'm tired of hearing about win the time of possession, win the turnover battle. The other element of the equation is far more indicative of how the game is going to play out. It's what you do with those items, not just getting them. And again, the summary, and this will be the last thing on offense, and we'll jump to the defense here. When you have a, a team like this, Lance, that has the injuries they have with Saquon Barkley, Andrew yeah. Thomas, the other array of offensive linemen, Marcus McKeithen got hurt in this game now, John Michael Schmitz is out. It, it's, it's a mess. We all know it's a mess. When you have the opportunity to make those big plays, when you happen to protect long enough to run a double move like they did to Darren Waller down the right sideline and the ball gets him in two hands. Yeah, I know Xavier Howard pulled he his arm back play. Yeah. at the end. Two hands on the football. No, still a legitimate opportunity. Hold on to the sure. ball. Yeah. Now, he had another chance at a contested catch down the left sideline. That was a much, much tougher catch. I'm not going to get on Darren about that. Yeah. But I'm sure if you got Darren Waller in a private moment, he's going to say, yeah, look, I have two hands on the ball. I, I need to tuck that in there, and I need to hold on to the thing. You have to, and the other, and that was a receiver-wise. And the other one, and I'll put this one more on Daniel's shoulders. Darius Lane. Darius Lane, yeah, deep sure. down the right sideline. You know, he's not wide open, but he has a step on the defensive back. Yeah. And the pass floats out of bounds. And he can't get the two feet in to complete that pass. So, when unfortunately, where the Giants are at offensively now, you're not going to have six or seven of those opportunities in a game. Because, frankly, you can't protect long enough to get them. But when you get the two or three of them, you have to complete them, especially against a team like the Dolphins, and they weren't able to do that. Yeah, you essentially have to be perfect in your few at-bats. Yeah. That's essentially right. what has to happen. Right. That's why this is not critical of Daniel Jones, but I thought when he did have the opportunities, he wasn't perfect. And that was a problem that did come back to bite the Giants because we did reference a few of those plays. The three that I had on my mind, the Waller play down the sideline with Xavier Howard on him, the Slayton one on the opposite side of the field, and then the one where Wondell Robinson would have easily gotten a first down and then some. It was another little quick out Correct. If you about. lead him out, he yep. threw it behind, correct. so Wondell slips and the ball goes to his feet. You know, those were three plays that I thought, you really can't point to pass protection breaking down. No, that's fair. That contributed to why that pass was altered. For sure. So, once again, this is not saying shame on Daniel. Daniel has to be better. We're not naive. We understand the pass protection is a problem, and he was under siege again. But there were opportunities, and that's when you've got to be able to say, okay, we're going to take full advantage okay. of the Miami Dolphins. And they just weren't able to do that because Tua has been so good in terms of getting pass protection, and the Giants only had one sack and two quarterback hits. Look at what Buffalo did. They had four sacks and nine quarterback hits. That's why last week I was bringing up the Bills, not to say the Giants or the Bills. It was this is what you need to do and that was to also, get in the vicinity of that. And that was also game flow too, right? The Bills went up a couple scores, and all of a sudden sure. the Dolphins yeah. can't just throw two-yard bubble screens the whole game. Tua actually used to drop back and hold the football. Yeah, it's got to take chances. Lance, in this game, Tua threw two balls that went over 
15 yards down the field. Well, That's it. It was yeah. just boom, 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 boom. That's it. He didn't even have to hold the ball to throw it down the field. He would just throw it to his fast guys, and they'd run for 80 yards. Yeah, and, well, and that's Crazy. the style of play they have. And this brings us to the defensive side yep, of things, which you wanted to flip the script. Yep. The seven plays of 20-plus yards that I referenced, only one of them— The one to Tyreek Hill, right? —was thrown down the field. Yeah. Everything else was a run, or it was a short pass, and then wiggle in and out of traffic and get yardage after the catch. So it goes back to the same issues the Giants had against the Cardinals, the same issues the Giants had against the Niners— you know all of these teams are built where they want to get these guys out in open space mm -hmm. and they want to be able to tap into their speed. The Dolphins are no different. So when they give you a five-yard pass, make it five to seven yards. Right. Don't allow it to balloon to 25. And the funny thing, like I can't even technically say missed tackles were a problem because the Giants weren't even getting hit. No, it was open guys. space. Yeah, He yeah. was just running yeah. to space. It's not That's like guys were in, sure. you know, I thought the Dolphins did a great job getting out and getting a hat on a hat to quote Carl Banks. I thought they blocked it up really well. I thought the jo I th I was really impressed by the Dolphins wide receivers blocking down the field. Jalen Waddle had a couple really nice yep. blocks. Tyreek Hill was blocking on the perimeter on some of these plays too. So I want to tip my cap to them on that. There is a, a line of thought out there, Lance, and I got a couple calls on this yesterday where fans are like, oh, well, the Giants, you know, they got three takeaways in this game. Giants even did their job. They played okay. Dolphins had 500, 500, 500 yeah. yards of offense. No, how by you the way, make sense of that? But through three quarters, yeah, they took the foot off the pedal at the end. Was unnecessary. They literally had five hundred yards through three quarters in this game. Well, I, I, I get it. Hooray for the three takeaways. That's that. That's great, guys. Bravo. Hundred and two yard interception return. Great play, Bobby Okereke. Yeah, I thought Bobby Okereke actually played a pretty good game in this game. Great play, Jason Pinnock. By the way, Cordo Flat of is not there. He has a chance to get a pick on that play, too. Yeah, I don't know what Tua was thinking, by the way. He decided, I'm going to throw it, try to squeeze the ball oh between four God. Giants. There was a million <laughs> guys It's like, you're I. in the red zone. Run the ball, Tua. My goodness. <laughs> and then on the last pick, he just kind of airmailed it over Waddle's head right to Some of these heads. Well. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from the Giants' no, defense, but I don't know what Tua was drinking before the game because some of these decisions are like... Way out of here. And, and, yeah. and I thought Xavier McKinney played a pretty decent game. He had the punch out on the fumble. I thought he made a couple decent plays outside too. But Lance, look, the Giants gave up touchdown drives of 89 yards, 94 yards, 75 yards, 75 yards, yeah, these field goal drives of 50 yards. Then they also gave up another 76-yard drive that didn't get converted because of the interception. The Dolphins did not punt the ball until the fourth quarter when they were basically just running it into the line. And they stopped trying to scheme up all their stuff. So, look, the offense is the bigger issue right now. And until that gets fixed, it's going to be hard to fix anything. But the defense was also a part of the problem in this game, too. Absolutely. Dolphins had a 300-yard passer. They had a 100-yard rusher. They had a 100-yard receiver. What was the yards per carry, Lance? Yards per carry was 9.7. Yeah, that's That's high. Yeah. And how about the disparity in terms of yardage per play, by the way? Oh, because the yeah. Giants had 14 more plays this is than the great, Dolphins. This is a great summary, Lance, as to what the difference is with time of possession, yeah, chunk exactly. plays. Give it yeah, to them. The this Dolphins had 9.7 yards per play. The Giants were at 3.9. This is what I'm talking about. I don't care that you held the ball for 12 more minutes or whatever than your opposition. Which means, basically, to summarize that for fans, it took the Giants basically three plays— to gain the same amount of yards the Dolphins yeah. were gaining in one. That pretty much spells it out. So it's hard to win that way. Well, because that's the lack of efficiency. That's what that's called. And the Dolphins, place. Yeah, the Dolphins are getting more bang for their buck mm -hmm. than the Giants were in comparison. But as far as the defense is concerned, yes, the takeaways is a huge step in the right direction. They had none in the first four games. You get three. Okay, you like that. You got a defensive score. But it was putting deodorant on a smell that you know was all of a sudden going to rear its ugly head later on in the game because you gave up all the explosive plays, which to me, John, those countered the takeaways. If you give up three plays of 60-plus yards, it just cancels out every yeah. one of those takeaways. So they basically offset one another, like offsetting agree. penalties. I'm with you on so that. So that's the way that I look at it. And as far as the defense is concerned, the other issue that I think could have went a long way in helping the cause maybe or – close the gap a little bit in this contest, and this is something that continues to play out, is there's not enough disruption in the trenches. And I understand Tua may get rid of the ball quickly because he was going with those short passes, but they've got to be able to impact the quarterback. And, John, I'm not talking about hits and sacks. I'm talking about getting your hands up, deflecting passes. If Tua's going to get rid of the ball, anticipate it, 
batted down and then maybe put the Dolphins in a situation where they have to face a third down. Because one third down and four touchdown drives, you're just, there's no way you're going to be able to survive that. Big chunks on first and second down. You've got to put Miami in a precarious spot. I don't think Miami, as bad as Tua's decision-making was at times, I don't think if you ask Tua, he was ever feeling the presence of the Giants' front and being overly concerned about, boy, if I don't get rid of this football quickly, I don't know what's going to happen here. The Dolphins did not have one running play that went for zero negative yards in this game. Everything was forward. Uh, they only had the one sack, obviously, for minus six. And I yep. just went through it, Lance. Um, in the first half of this game, not counting a two-yard touchdown, because that was obviously a successful play, the Giants forced the Miami offense to have just one, two, three, four, five, six, seven plays in an entire half that went for fewer than five yards. Fewer than five yards. And that includes all the incomplete passes. Like, that's counted yeah. in there and the interception. So in that mix, there were one, two, three incomplete passes, an interception. You had a sack for minus six yards, a run for one, a run for zero, and a run for two. I mean, Lance... 24, 6, 20, 23, oh, 5, 9, 5, 5, 8, 18, 75, 64, 13, 13, 12, 10. <laughs> it's all in a half. It's yep. just the first half. That's why that game— Hard to get off the field when that's happening. Well, I mean, it's impossible to get off the field, which is exactly why the Dolphins scored as much as they did. I never thought the score of that game was indicative of how truly close it looked. You know, even when they got 14 to 10— you still said to yourself, if they don't make some type of a defensive stop and halt these explosive plays... And then what was the first drive of the second half? Then the Dolphins come out on the field, they knew they got the ball first, and then you get the big bomb to Tyreek Hill. Third play. Yeah. Third and then play. just like that, it goes back to business as usual, and you knew the Giants just... They weren't going to have enough volume of big plays to match wits with the Dolphins. I mean, that was their most pressing issue. And you're going to get, I understand we're going to have the whole week to talk about Buffalo, but Buffalo is the same thing. I mean, they're going to be irritated because of how they performed against Jacksonville. But another team, Stephon Diggs and the running backs and Gabriel Davis and the tight ends, you know, they're going to be able to put points on the board. If the offense doesn't pick it up, you could tell me all the ingredients you want out of the defense. I don't know if it's going to make enough of an inroad to really steer the conversation and the results of the game in a different and, direction. And as tough as the schedule has been so far this year, Lance, you're arguably, and Tyreek Hill is probably the exception to this, but you're probably facing the second best wide receiver you've faced all year in Stephon Diggs. Yeah. I, I think he's probably a little bit better than the Ayukes and CeeDee Lambs and Debo Samuels. I think he's probably a small level above those guys, but, you know, a little bit whatever. more of a vertical threat yeah. compared to the other guys. Fine, but I, yeah. I'll even push that aside if you guys aren't interested in that. It's definitely the best quarterback the Giants have faced this year. I mean, Josh Allen, when he's playing well and playing right, he's literally unstoppable. Yeah, and I the mean, ability to run and throw for him. All of it. Yeah. Put it all together, he is really, really good. And the Bills' defense, though they've lost Matt Milano and Tredavious White now for the season in consecutive weeks, that will certainly hurt them. And uh, Von Gregory, Miller, though, is going to— He played, what, about a dozen yeah, snaps, so, I think, in London? Well, so you'll have another game where he's a little bit more well, comfortable. After you watch the tape of the John Fastens the line, I think you might want to play around 65 <laughs> snaps in well, that game. But, well, but here's the thing. I don't mean to cut you off, John. No, See, we've had these conversations, even going back to previous seasons. I don't want to hear they're going up against a defense that's banged up. Seattle was this storyline. Oh, I'm not no, saying that. And then no. people say, oh, Seattle's not Dallas and San Francisco, so don't worry. It's going to be better. Miami, the Dolphins were no juggernaut on the defensive side of the ball. You're going to tell me Vic Fangio's not— Pleased with how his defense performed yes, yesterday? They were 32nd yeah. in success rate. So that's what I'm saying. Game. So nobody should be going in that direction to point to the fact that they no. may have lost three or four guys on the defense side of the ball. The Giants, they need to score consistently against anybody, whether this, it's 32 or first, this before is, you have that conversation. This is about the Giants more than it is about Without the opponent a doubt. at this point. Because it hasn't made a difference who Correct. the opponent is. That is right. That's why it makes no difference. But, yeah. they, but they have a good defensive line. Well, Gregory Rousseau, I bet you, will probably be back for this game. He was close to playing in the London game. Yeah, uh, you've had Oliver up front, obviously. So they've got a good. Well, they front. mix and match those guys up front, and they've yeah. and and Sean McDermott's a very good play caller on defense. Yeah, so and, and it'll they got be a challenge. Two good safeties in Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer too. So you know yeah. those guys, I'm sure, will now take on a bigger role with Tredavious White out and what Burgess and going is in a the younger linebacker direction. that's played well. I'm trying to remember the guy who replaced Edmonds. I couldn't remember this on yesterday's post game show. There, he's had a couple picks this year. 
I want to say Terrell yeah, Burgess. Does that sound right? Maybe the I'm former wrong. Ram, I believe, who you're referring to. Yeah, Let me, I just want to no, visualize no, 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 and look no. at their depth chart. Terrell Burgess is the defensive back. No, you're talking about Terrell Bernard. Terrell Bernard. That's Thank you. I had the TV right in the Terrell. Right, because Burgess is. That's why I said the Rams with Burgess. Bernard. Absolutely. All right. Make sure you go and subscribe to the Giants Little Podcast. It features long form interviews with Giants players, coaches, front office staff, past and present. Plus, hear from the best analysts covering Big Blue in the NFL. The most recent one that's up there. I have a conversation with Jonathan Casillas on a rapid reaction, and then our my interview with Shona Harrell coming your way uh, tomorrow with a lot more other fun stuff coming your way this week as well. Go subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Just search for Giants Huddle or go to Giants.com slash podcast. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, don't forget to leave that five-star positive review for all of our Giants podcasts. And also, don't forget to check out our brand-new podcast, Giants Hangout. Lance Meadow, uh, Howard Cross, Russ Salzberg, and one of our buddies from uh, over at the Irish NFL Podcast recorded an episode this morning. That's up there. So, again, go search for the Giants Hangout Podcast and subscribe for that as well. All right, folks, let's do this. 201-939-4513. Let's go to uh, the order in which the calls have come in. Let's go to Steve in Staten Island. Hi, Steve. Hey, John. Hey, Lance. How are you guys? How you doing? What's up, buddy? All right, John, long time no speak. Hope all is well, my friend. Yes, um, by the way, for the fans that didn't know, the reason I was not on the show last week is because when we got back from the Monday night game, I had strep throat, and I was basically in bed sweating and freezing for two straight days. Oddly, the voice yeah. never actually went away with the strep throat, which was a pleasant surprise, but I, yeah. I'm, I'm back on the horse and feeling good, Steve. Good, I'm glad. Yeah, I saw you put that on Twitter. Listen, I, I, I'll try and make it fast here because I think I'm – what I'm about to say, I think I could speak for every Giant fan in the country. I mean, this is this is freaking heartbreaking. I mean, it, uh, here we go again. I mean, you know what? You, 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 they took a big step last year, and I get it out. They overachieved. They did this. They did that. Strength of schedule. But be that as it may, you got to play who you got to play. Whether it's win, lose, or draw, you still got to play them regardless. It doesn't matter what team it is. I mean, I'm looking well, at this does. team, and I'm – uh, come again? No, I mean, look, uh, Steve, I'm I'm a big proponent of opponents matter, and it is a big yeah. deal based on who you play. In my opinion, that that doesn't mean it's okay that you have no, the worst no, no. point differential in the league or anything like that, because you could certainly be more competitive. But I'll just say this from a oh, and I was going to kind of do this with with the Tino on Wednesday. I'll give everybody a sneak peek. Like if you would have told me before the season, through <clears> five <throat> games, the Giants were minus five in turnover ratio. They would have had no Andrew Thomas for four of the five games and no Saquon Barkley for three of the five games, and you would ask me what I think the Giants' record would have been, I probably would have said I think they're one and four, to be totally you honest know what? with you. You know what? I'm, I'm, listen, I'll agree with you in that respect, but I'm, I'm watching this team now, and I'm saying here it goes. It's like shades of 2020 or 2021 all over again. I mean, and i got to say, it, Giants doing Giants things. And just when you thought, you know, it, they were going to take that next step forward, Typical Giants, they break your heart. And, you know, there's a lot of blame to go around. But if I could take any positives, and and, and you might agree with me, they were in that game against the 49ers. They actually looked like like they were going to be in that game yesterday. There There are positive things you could take out of this. Now, am I trying to look for a silver lining? Well, here's the silver lining. Shock the world, beat Buffalo, and you're not dead in the water. Or here we go again, guys, for the 10th time in 11 years. Season's over before Halloween. And you listen, you already know the Eagles are going to run away with the division. It's just a given. You knew it. Everybody knew it. It's just common sense. But you see the way Dallas is playing. This is – it's not – it's never too late to try and turn it around. And here's what's alarming, okay? And I get Dable's got to deal, deal with the hand he's been dealt. I get it. I understand that. And you got Justin Pugh. You hope he's in game ready for, uh, for the Bills. But do you see this team doing anything at this point? Obviously, these in terms guys of what? are not the offensive line. Okay. I mean, it's not going to work. There's nothing working. And look, now Jones is hurt. You know, and, and you don't want anybody to get hurt. Jones, Taylor, God forbid, nobody should get hurt playing this game. But come on, you guys knew to a man eventually this was going to catch up with them. Something bad was going to happen. Well, that goes back to, but Steve, that goes back to your point from last season. We were talking about this during the offseason that you got to look at who they played and you have to look at also how they won games last season. They were winning one-score games by the chinny-chin-chin. There was a stretch of the Green Bay game, the Jacksonville game. I mean, we're talking about the last play on the goal line in order to win that game. 
You can't dismiss how you also win games. It's no surprise, by the way. And that, by the way, was the only playoff team that they beat in the regular season as well, the Jaguars. Yeah. So, you know, that tells an awful lot. But here's the other thing that should tell you a lot. The Vikings and the Giants are both 1-4. and four. And the Vikings and the Giants both followed almost identical scripts last season. Now, Minnesota had a better record, but they were winning all of these one-score games. They did not have shutdown juggernaut teams. They were playing a lot of close affairs. Do you think it's a surprise that all of a sudden the script has flipped and now the close games are not being won? Yeah. Because the margin that they were winning by was unreal and now, compared to NFL history. The funny thing, now the Vikings are probably on the other side of it. They're probably better than what their 1-4 record is this year. Like, well, because probably... they're doing a better job than the Giants in terms of scoring well, right. and at least putting points on the board. Well, I'll give you that. They sure. also haven't had the injury issues. The Giants no, they have not. Either. So meaning they've had their yeah. full disposal mm-hmm. for the most part of talent. Absolutely. Though no, not Justin, Justin Jefferson, Jefferson is hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So we'll see what type of shape they're going to be in moving forward. But I think the bigger takeaway for both of those teams was the Vikings went 11-0 and in one-score games. Nobody thought they were going to do that in consecutive years. And the Giants had a really good record in one score games too and look to, to steve's point at two and four the season's not over two two no, and four you can make a run last year right around this time the giants had two wins no one thought they'd be able to come home with in london against green bay and then they beat the baltimore ravens it was two games that they were underdogs in not many people gave them a chance in those games i didn't think they would win those games last year but they won the games so they need to come out get their you-know-what together and try to get a win like that against the Buffalo Bills on Sunday night. You know, that's all you can do is go on to the next game and try to win the next game. As for his offensive line point, Steve, there are no easy answers at this point, okay? Uh, there are just not really good offensive linemen sitting there on the street waiting to get a call to, to go start and, and be a you know really good offensive lineman. I mean, the Giants have lost their starting left tackle. They've lost their starting center, which is forcing them to move their left guard to center. Uh, and I think Ben Bredesen has shown he, he plays better at guard than he does at center. Uh, they've lost their right guard now in Marcus McKeithen yeah. with a knee injury. Uh, they had to call up one of the players they had to call up off the practice squad this week for the game, had to go in there and play basically half the game. So, I mean, when you're running into practice squad guys already, you're running out of guys at the end, man. Like, the hotel's yeah. emptying out. <laughs> there aren't that many of the guys that you can go to. It's just... The way it is in the NFL, and you know this, you ask any fan base in the league, they're not happy with their offensive line depth. It's just the way it is. I also think it's unfair, not to say the last caller was doing this, but to put everything on Justin Pugh being a savior for this offensive line is just completely impractical. Yeah, I have no idea when he's even going to be. Yeah, to you be know, I mean, he hasn't played football in quite some time. He has experience. He has versatility. He can play multiple positions. All of those things are beneficial. But, you know, it just goes to show you, even if you brought Andrew Thomas back in the mix, Andrew Thomas cannot play four other positions simultaneously. It would John. help, but it wouldn't solve every problem. That is and, and that's what I think is also amazing. I would argue the same thing with Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley, of course you want him on the field, but Saquon Barkley is not then magically snapping his fingers and changing the entire dynamic of this offense. Remember, they've played a lot of games with Andrew Thomas and Saquon Barkley, and unfortunately did not come out on the winning end. That's more of a reason why I think you got to be cautious when you say, well, if they had these guys, things would be dramatically different. I think they'd help. I don't know if they'd be dramatically different. Yeah, you'd have to see what type of cascading effect they would have, right? Because if you can... Put Thomas in, then can Azudu go back to his regular position at guard? Does then that help the right guard spot? If Schmitz gets back, then you can put Bredesen back, and you're actually yeah. back to your normal line. Well, but these guys still haven't gotten used to playing next to one another, Correct. too. hundred percent. No, you're yeah. right. I'm not yeah. saying if all those guys are back in their spots, all of a sudden you're a top ten offensive line. I'm not saying that. And I think with Barkley, that also gives you a way to give the offensive line a little bit of a break in pass in pass pro situations. I think one thing we've seen, um, we looked this up over the weekend that. Before Saquon Barkley's injury, the Giants were averaging over eight yards per attempt on play-action passes. Since Barkley's injury, they're under four yards yards per attempt on play-action passes because teams just I – and mean, Jonathan Casillas was talking about it – that, all right, you, know, you want to hand it to, to Matt Braden, gain four or five the yards. The fear that's, is not there. Yeah, you yeah. just aren't afraid of that big play. And that's nothing against Breda. That's nothing against Eric Gray. Just the nature of the beast. You're just not yeah. Saquon Barkley, right? So I think – then you can run play action more. That helps the offensive line. Maybe you have to bring a safety into the box. Then maybe you can make some more of those chucks down the field, right? So you hope there's a cascading effect. But is it, oh, these guys are back. Now we're good again, and we're going to be the team last year. That, that, that's not how it works either. And that's my point. Yeah. I so I, I think that, you know, that just has to at least be taken into consideration when we're having these discussions. It's unfortunate. The problem with the offensive line is it's twofold, John. It's guys getting hurt, but it's also happening within a game. 
And that's the real killer, right? You McKeithen starts the game, and then in the blink of an eye, McKeithen's out. Bredesen is starting at center, and then he has to go out for three plays. Dude, same thing with John Michael Schmitz two weeks ago. First drive of the game. Yeah, with Bellinger. Yeah, and Bellinger too. And then Darren Waller now has to block a little bit yep. more. Mm -hmm. So the dynamics are changing within a game. Now, the argument for many teams would be like, hey, that's the NFL. you got to be able to adapt on the fly. And Brian Dable and the coaching staff would say the same thing. They're not hiding behind that as an excuse. But it's one thing to say you got the week, right, to prepare for, okay, we Correct. know A, B, and C is going to be out of the lineup. It's another thing when you already know you're down and then in the game you start losing more guys at the same and position. And you game plan one way and then you have Correct. to alter on And the that's what tougher. is a real killer. I'm and you're you. starting to see that. 201-939-4513. Rich is in Florida. He's up next. Hi, Rich. Hi, John and uh, Lance. John, I'm glad you're you're feeling better. I had strep throat many times and no fun. Yeah, no fun. No fun. Uh, no fun. Anyway, great show as always for the entire team under very difficult circumstances. I echo the comments of Steve, the last caller. We're we're all very frustrated, and uh, especially if somebody like me who's goes back to '61 and uh, has been through the doldrums. But I'm I got some data here that I thought you'd find interesting. Sure. What do you got? For the last, this is uh, based on the last 10 years, Giants have drafted, now this is just draft choices, 16 offensive linemen. Four, which I would consider serviceable or average or better than average linemen. Who are the four? Um, Justin Pugh, Winston Richburg, remember him? Yep. Of course, yep. Andrew Thomas. And I would put JMS in that category because he's trending up. So I get, I get three questions. Yes. And I don't know if you can answer this. could be... Uh, be some good uh, questions for um, next gen or uh, PFF. But anyway, number one, is it more difficult to evaluate offensive linemen going from college to the pros than in other positions? Number two. No, I don't know. Uh, and just real quick, I don't think so, Rich. Generally speaking, I don't think so. But but it does they they do have a little bit of a longer developmental cycle than some other positions. But I do not think the evaluation is necessarily tougher. I think it maybe holds true more so depending on what level of football you're playing. Yep. Like for and, example, and the scheme things yeah, like that. And if sure. you take an FCS offensive lineman, are you a little bit worried that that player has not been battle tested? Now, in fairness, some FCS offensive linemen have actually panned out better than guys out of the SEC. But I think maybe that may be a tougher challenge to fully evaluate to see whether or not they make a transition. Question two, Rich, what else you got? I, I agree with, with both of you. Question two, and this probably would be for next-gen or PFF unless you have it there in your computer, John. Yeah, what do you got? What are the other teams? How You take a 10-year splay, say, uh, NFC East, Dallas, Philadelphia, uh, the Commanders. Take 10 years and see who they drafted in their O-line. And who would they hit on? Well, use the I Cowboys. Just, I'd be curious. I mean, use the Cowboys as an example. Tyron Smith, Travis Frederick, who panned out, unfortunately, had to retire. Tyler Biotish's replacement's been pretty good. Zach Martin. Zach Martin. Terrence Steele wasn't even drafted, but I'll throw him in the mix. He was and an undrafted guy. You could even throw Lyle Collins in that mix. And who then has, Tyler who, Smith, who and, just And Collins' career hasn't gone the way he's wanted it to. With but the he Bengals, had, but, he, yeah. but he has been a starter in the league yeah. for a while. So, I mean, that's what. We named at least five or six guys right well, there. And, and, then, and then just look at Philadelphia. I mean, Lane Johnson oh. was a top five pick right. obviously they you know converted now Jason Peters was almost 20 years ago when they drafted him originally now but he obviously worked out uh Jason Kelsey at center obviously sure. Jordan Mailata yeah Jordan Mailata yeah, that was I mean, a six who played rugby <laughs> I think they drafted Isaac Sayamalo if I'm not mistaken I believe they did I who's now with the Steelers did. yeah uh, and then Landon, Landon Dickerson, Dickerson. Yeah, from, from, from from Alabama too so yeah uh Washington has had less success with some of their draft picks but uh, Brandon Sheriff's had a nice little career. That was one of the offensive linemen that yeah. they drafted. But high. not the same volume as Dallas no. and Philadelphia. So, no, yeah. look, look uh, I'm rich. I don't think anyone would argue that the Giants have had trouble developing their offensive line. Yeah. I mean, it just yeah. they, 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 it, they just haven't done through through different regimes. They've had trouble building the unit up to where you want it to be. And I'd love to see this group at full strength for more than like half a game. Or one drive, which is basically what it was against Dallas, right? Before Andrew Thomas pulled his hamstring and then he wasn't the same guy. But we can only live in the world we live in, right? I mean. Right. So you guys are, are awesome because you made a perfect segue to my last and final question. Yeah. And they have to look at that because they're process oriented. If you, if you listen to Joe O'Brien, do they have a systemic or process issue in evaluating their offensive linemen? They got to be able, they got to look at that because. 
The data doesn't lie. Well, I mean, Rich, I they've, mean, they've basically overturned their entire scouting staff since Joe Shane's gotten uh, exact, here. Exactly. Yeah. But, John, I mean, the kids they drafted from North Carolina, they drafted for depth, you know, and they brought in JMS, and, and they rolled the dice on on on, um, on Evan Neal. And um, so, you know, now, we're seeing it on the on the field. It's, it's, it's sad. Well, Rich, in, so in, in, for, in fairness, for, I, I'm not going to pass any judgments on Josh Azudu. The kid's playing left tackle when he's a he guard. Is. That I, I am, I, I am not, I am not passing any judgment on that kid because they're asking him to do something that's really, really tough. And I, I, I want to see him at his real position, Rich. And look, if he has these type of issues playing guard, then we can you call back and we can have that same conversation, and it's a fair one. And Marcus Keithens played two and a half games yeah. in his NFL career because he didn't play at all last year, right? So yeah. I, I I can't make any judgment calls on him either. And like you said, with John Michael Schmitz, I liked what I saw the first couple of games, but now we haven't right. seen him for the last two because of the injury. So. I mean, Evan Neal has had his issues. We know that, but I don't think you you can say that about the new regime yet, because even when they drafted the two North Carolina guys, that was before they really rejiggered the scouting staff, too, right? That was using a lot yeah, of the people that was from the first old year, regime. Joe Shane, that's yeah. correct. You don't change it. You don't change the scouting department until after the draft finishes, because yeah. you need those guys who have been out watching the college games. The same thing went on in Buffalo when Brandon yep. Bean and Joe Shane arrived. They didn't start to revamp the scouting department until after that current draft. So I don't. So yeah. Rich, if you want to talk about it as an overall problem for the organization for the last 10, 15 years, sold, no argument. I think it's a little bit premature to talk about an issue for the current regime. The other thing to note also, Thank you, I appreciate the call. call, and this is not an excuse. This is just reality. It's twofold. You know, some of these guys didn't pan out because they didn't develop. The other thing is some of these guys got banged up too. You know, He mentioned Justin Pugh and Weston Richburg. They've had injury baggage over the course of their careers, and it was interrupted a little bit here with the Giants. So that also doesn't help you because you need these guys consistently in the lineup. There's a distinct difference, I think, when you look at the Giants, and especially people that don't pay close attention to the team, and I know our listeners and our viewers do because they're invested in the team, but to the outside world, it's easy to say, oh, well, you know, the Giants haven't addressed the offensive line. No, they've addressed the offensive line. Just not line. well. <laughs> it just unfortunately has not panned out. Right. No, but my point is, John, there's a distinct difference. Some teams, all right, you know, we'll bring in guys off the street. No, they've used draft and resources. They've brought in free agents. they made some trades. And frankly, Lance, one team that hasn't used a lot of resource on the offensive line are the Bills which is where Joe Shane has come from. They have not used high draft picks in offensive line. Yeah, I mean, lineup. Mitch Morris was brought in via free agency. Dawkins was a second-round pick. Yeah, Dawkins right ta- their was, left was a pick. And, a and lot- I think he was like their highest draft pick, I think. Yeah, they weren't going out and drafting guys left and right. They went externally outside the organization, right. I would argue, more so. The Giants have done a little bit of a mixture. They've gone outside, but they've also tried to homegrown as well. Yeah, and, and the Bills tried to draft. They drafted a right tackle up there that hasn't worked out. I'm well, they drafted a right tackle that they traded away. Cody, if memory... Cody Ford out of Oklahoma, yeah. correct? But I believe that's who it was. They traded him after yeah. he did not pan out for them. Correct, so, yeah. But the is volume is. is not the same yep. as the Giants, I guess is my point. All right, let's go to Wilson and Roxbury. He's up next on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Hi, Wilson. Hey, Johnny. Hey, Lance. How are you? What's John, up, bud? Doing right. I love you, but just just don't just stop with all, with, with all this, uh, this is statistics, man. I mean, Brian Dable, since last, since he played against the Eagles, he has lost five games. Been an embarrassment. They've been non-competitive. Everybody has got injuries. Everybody, I, if you're a bad team, you're a bad team. If you, have, if you don't have no talent, you have no talent. I get that. I'll buy that. I, I, we understand that as, as Giants fans. Another thing is, when you, when you step on the field, they already defeated. You think, you think that Miami took them seriously? You think they would do whatever they want? It was like a preseason game for them. I mean, it's got, it's got some, I mean, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak for all the, not the, not the people that call you, but all the Giants fans that I talk to, they are, we are a lot of them. We are a lot of them. I'm going to speak for all you of them. You have your own talk Brian show, Davis right? To be a When's the talk show air? That's what, what I want to know. When's the talk show air? You and your compadres. You can disagree with me. And I know you I'm not like disagreeing. I didn't Brian disagree Dable, with the thing what? you said. I just wanted to know when the talk show was because you said you've been consulting with all of your friends and colleagues. Well, That's all. He was just I, making, I, he was I, just, I want to listen in a little. That's he, all. He was just making a joke. Yeah. Said, Go ahead. That's it. Can I, can I ask you something? Of course. You think. Answer me truthfully. Truthfully. If I forget, forget, that the, forget about the Giants. If I tell you that there's a team that is, is one in four, and, and, and those, four, those four losses have been a complete embarrassment. Embarrassment. Are you going to tell me that team is well coached? Answer me truthfully, please. 
Well, I'm uh, I Wilson. Don't, you, don't, you give le- me, don't give me the, the left tackle and, Wilson, and say what, uh, Let me answer. Ta- Wilson, you're arguing okay. with an answer I didn't give you yet, dude. All right. Okay, I'm sorry. Go no, that, that's yeah. okay. Look, I'll, I'll give you a two-part answer here, okay? What, okay? what number do I usually use to determine how really good a team truly is? I like to use point differential, right? So right now the Giants have the lowest point differential in the league. All right. They have not played like a yeah. good football team this year. They have played like one of the worst football teams in the league. No one will argue that. No, the they... point differential doesn't okay. lie. Okay, that's part of the answer number one. Okay. Part of the answer number okay. two to specifically address your question. And you've listened okay. to the show long enough to know my thesis on this. I'm consistent. Yes. This is a player yeah. sport. Coaching matters, but it matters to an extent. Okay? okay? And okay. okay. to me... When you ask me, yes. is a team well coached? Yes. If, if in this situation, I will ask you, well, who's on the field playing the game? Because that, to me, is always the most right. important thing. And and you know me, I've been consistent about that for all the years I've been on this pro- yeah. program. Can I ask you something before you hang up on me? Sure. What do you got? Okay, Lance, uh, uh, Lance, and, and, and you, and you, uh, John. Sure. Let's, oh, I get to answer too. Say, That's good. Say, okay, I'm ready. Let, let's say let's let's say let's say you guys are doing the show right now, right? Right now you're doing a show and you guys are doing a great job and you have good ratings and all positive reviews. All of a sudden, I don't know, man, maybe the camera is off and, I don't know, the sound is off and, and the show, like, tanks a little and Wilson, it becomes you worse, worse and worse. Don't okay. take this out on me, Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he's, he's painting okay. a hypothetical. Don't worry, Pearson. Okay. There's a hypothetical. See, there's a buildup. Okay. Eventually we're going to get a question. Yes. I'm dying, but let's go. Yes. Uh, no, the question is, who somebody's got to take and everything somebody needs to take the blame yeah, somebody somebody you can't be well the player i mean they play, but because uh, i understand that you that you lost andrew thomas and saquon barkley and this that uh, but you got to be competitive man all right you wilson can't be an embarrassment wilson i have a question for you can i ask you a question go ahead okay yes of course how many coaches have the giants fired in the past six years uh three has that worked well, eventually we got to get it right. It doesn't look like we got it right well, again. Well, well, but Listen, the point thank you is, the yeah, I mean, we the point is it. the turnover rate has been high. You've seen a variety of different coaches, and the results have been somewhat similar. Everyone that's the wants point. the silver yeah. bullet solution. You pull one ripcord, and it solves the problem. That's not how this works. When they hired Joe Shane and Brian Dablelands, what did we say this was going to be? Did we say it was going to be a quick fix, or did we say it was going to be a long, multi-year process? Yeah, the latter, not the former. Exactly. And I understand expectations got raised because of what happened last year. You win a playoff game. I get all that. Should fans be satisfied in any way of how the way the start of the season has gone? Absolutely not. Should they be mad, frustrated, all that stuff? Yeah, absolutely. We're not telling you not to be. All right? The prize in the field has not been great. We get that. No one's arguing otherwise. But what do you think is going to happen if you decide to make changes on the coaching staff? All of a sudden, guys will block better. All of a sudden, guys are going to come back healthy. All of a sudden, Josh Azudu is going to look like uh, Trent Williams out there at left tackle. You know, what do you think? Uh, Darren Waller is going to catch the deep pass down the right sideline because there's, there's yeah, a— Yeah, that has nothing to do with coaching. Him. Yeah. You know, the guy, I just—it's not that simple. It's just not. It's just not that simple. I, I don't know how else to put it. Well, I don't think there's anything wrong with holding players responsible. I think they would be the first ones to tell you, especially the defensive players, you know, mistackling. You could coach the heck out of that each and every week. I mean, Wink Martindale said leading up to two games ago, the Seattle game, right? They emphasized that. And for the most part, they cleaned it up. It except got a little Noah, better. Noah Fanto yeah. had that big play. So but it did get I mean, better. They did step in the right direction, but... I don't think, once again, the Miami game was so much a product of mistackling. It was more of, you know, guys not being able to be in the right position, too many open lanes and so forth. To pinpoint exactly, can you say, should a coach have told them this during a film session on a random Thursday? I don't know. We're not in the meetings. But, I mean, that's a real minuscule detail to pin it on as to why this was a lopsided game. I think it comes down to the players are out on the field and the players need to execute. And there's only so much that coaches can make up for that, especially if you're talking about you're going into a depth chart where there's limitations in terms of talent. I think that's the best way to explain it. And a lot of the plays we talked about, you brought over the Waller, Daniel Jones' throw to Darius Slayton, which sailed out of play. Daniel Jones throwing the ball towards the legs of Wondell Robinson as opposed to leading him out. Is that coaching? 
can you really say that Brian Dable and Mike Kafka didn't do their job during the course of the week? And this is not me throwing a player under the bus. This is just, what are your eyes telling you, right? And the, and as the, a viewer, and the, as a listener, what are your body parts telling you? And if you ask the player, they're not going to put that on the coaches either. Not at all. They're not. Yeah. 201-939-4513. Giant fans looking for single game tickets or a season ticket membership. Go to Giants.com slash tickets. Limited inventory is available for the rest of the 2023 season. And don't forget to go download Giants TV, the Giants official connected TV streaming app. It brings original video content and game highlights on demand and direct to big blue fans. Giants TV is free on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, and the Giants mobile app. All right, so we got to week five before... We got the call to start making major changes. Uh, let's go to Charlie in Portland, Maine. Hi, Charlie. I know Charlie at least isn't going to go after the coacher. He's going to go after somebody else, which which no one's going to be surprised <laughs> about. Hey, hey, John. Hey, Lance. Hey, look. Um, I've, I got to follow up a little bit about the coaches. Yeah. Who who are the who are the ones that put Azuzu at left tackle? Azuzu? Who I didn't know. That's a new who? offensive lineman. Azuzu was a car. Azuzu was a car from the eighties, by the way. <laughs> Azuzu, all right. Azuzu. Well, yes. Right? Okay. <laughs> who are the who are the ones that cut Ty Phillips, who actually played fairly well in uh, when uh, Evan Neal went down last year? Why did they cut him? Why did they put a guy who's just like you said, who's a guard at tackle? Why did they keep somebody like Pert and not keep Phillips? Why do, you know why why do they have the same bunch of Smurf guards that are all the same, basically god awful cow chips? Who put those guys on the team? It's the coaches. It's Shane. It's those guys. So it's you you're the guys that you they're the ones that kept these players. They're the ones that signed Goma Jones for eighty four million dollars and he's not the quarterback that can lead this team anywhere. He showed you who he is these last four or five games. My God, Ty, you know, Tyrod Taylor went in. He had the same offensive line. He had the same, you know, he had a run for his life. But he looked so much better in that offense than Jones. Now, Charlie, in, 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 in fairness, at that point of the game, the Dolphins are playing prevent defense with six minutes yeah. to go up 15 points. And Tyrod took some hard hits, too. <laughs> Throughout the course I know of that he game. did. I know. So, Look, they better they better get like five quarterbacks on their practice squad and on and three on their fifty three because they they're going to need them. Now, Charlie, right? if your point is that maybe the depth at the offensive tackle could be a little bit better off the bench, or because you don't have to play a guard out there, I could at least understand that point of criticism. The Giants obviously felt that Tyree Phillips was not as good of an option as a Zudu or Parrot at offensive tackle. That's no, they why they made decisions wrong. they made. Well, well, I mean, in fairness, Charlie, you don't know what Tyree Phillips would be doing if he was in there either. No, Charlie, I'll tell what? you what. What, what my my personal opinion Phil is what what I knows offensive linemen. Guess what? They picked him up in an hour after we cut him. Sure, and they put him. They did. They put him on the practice squad. He wasn't on the fifty-three man roster immediately. Did he go on the practice That's squad? That's correct. Okay, so you know they were utilizing him as a guy to fill in. God forbid, one of their regulars is hurt. It's not like they brought him in and made him a starter. But as far as your point about Azudu. You know, yeah. a lot of Giants fans were saying they want to see these young guys play. I mean, I don't know if it was you, I, but I did you not? Well, I'm in the wrong position. I don't want to see. What do you mean? Hold on. First, first of all, no, no. As John mentioned, okay, it may be tough on Azudu, but if you go back to North Carolina, he played every position with the exception of center. You can screen okay. one more. Person. I think you took my mic off as opposed to. Oh, yes, that's fine. My I mean, bad. I know Charlie I know, may not want to hear what I have <laughs> I to totally say, did. but I'd bad. like to hear. Sorry what about I have that, Lance. It's okay. Thank you. <laughs> Let me repeat that for the people in the back who may not have heard. And, and that, that was yes. not Pearson's fault, by the way. That no, was no. Schmelk's fault. So actually, Wilson. See, we do blame some individuals when the technological issues come into play. That's on John Schmelk. Okay, I am innocent, and uh, he's pleading the fifth, Pearson, as well, in the back scenes. But anyway, in all seriousness, Charlie, Joshua Zudu played four positions in North Carolina, okay? So I don't want to hear, yes, I understand it's a tough spot, but when you say they're throwing him into a position that is unheard of, that's not true. That's not true based on his resume in North Carolina. In the NFL, yes, in college. Did say that he would be a tackle in the NFL? Did anybody say that that guy— 
is going to be a tackle in the NFL. No, he was projected no. more as a guard. Same thing with McKeithen. McKeithen was a tackle. In the, but that Wait, so that means that you can only play the player in one position, meaning if you have guys that get hurt? Hold on a minute. How many offensive linemen are you planning to keep on the 53-man roster? You have, what, eight, nine guys. If we lose four to five starters, as we were just talking about, who then are you going to turn to to then play tackle? Well, Charlie, and Kurt, well, Charlie, I'll say this. who plays tackle. Well, Charlie, Kurt. and I'll say this, and I'll say this. We saw yeah. Azudu got removed from the game late, and Matt Parrott got yeah, put in. Yeah, I wonder why. He got so Jones killed. Let's, let's <laughs> see in the game. And, Charlie, thanks a lot for the call. Always fun to hear from you. Uh, we'll see if Speak we for yourself get to the that, game God, yes. on Sunday night. Who's starting at left tackle if Andrew Thomas isn't able to make his way back? And given Andrew Thomas still has not sniffed the practice field yet, we'll see. Wednesday will be a big day to see. If he practices limited on Wednesday, he's got a shot, I would think. If he's not practicing all Wednesday, I think you're probably – going to be a tough go to see if he can get ready for Sunday night. I would say middle of the week should be a decent indication. But remember, we have saw him be limited, and then he comes back to practice the next day, John. And Fair point. You're in the setback territory. Fair point. So it may not be the end-all, be-all. I'm just trying to be cautious here. It's no. not that I'm trying to not present some optimism. Oh, no, but you're right about that. We, we've seen you're him, right? He gets right. out there, and then all of a sudden he tries to okay. push it. Let me try again. Right. If yeah. he's able to practice for two consecutive days, Wednesday to Thursday, even in a limited fashion, you got a shot at it. I think that that's at least promising yes. from that standpoint. No, what I was going to bring up in the conversation, it's very interesting. We go back to the preseason. Were we not fielding phone calls about Matt Pear should not be on the roster? That Matt we Pear was having a rough time? Though, were we not? In fairness to us, and I was, Paul was a little bit heavier on than I was, but I yeah. thought Matt Pear played well in the preseason. And frankly, okay. and I was a little surprised that they did slide Azuto ahead of him at tackle, to be honest with you. Okay. But the coaches see a lot more than I do. So, what no, do but I know? The, the point I'm bringing up is. We're playing paddle ball here, John. Things don't look good. Now you want to go back to the individual you weren't fond of. I'm not talking about you and Paul. I'm talking about the fan reaction that we're hearing from. Everyone tries to find the easy solution. But maybe the easy solution is easier said than done is the point. Well, it always is. And that the coaching staff obviously is is. seeing things in practice that says they have more faith. Do you really think, based on the state of the offensive line, okay, let's take a breather and take a step back. They're watching these guys in practice every day. If they felt that much better about Matt Parrott, don't you think they would have started him at left tackle? Of course they would have. Of course. Okay. So there's obviously, they're seeing something in a Zudu that gives them a reason to say he is the best option at left tackle. Unfortunately, the results did not go according to plan. And that's fine. But there's a distinct difference in life, John. You go in having a plan, okay? You have rational thought behind that plan. You evaluate what you see in practice. You like what you see on film. And then all of a sudden, the results are not there, and you have to go to option B and option C. I think that's what's happening a lot, and the game of musical chairs with the injuries in games is not helping the cause either. All right, let's go to Len in Columbia, Maryland. He's up next. Hey, Len. Hey, guys. Hey, at least, well, I'm not the warm-up act for Charlie. I'm, I'm, I'm actually following. I'm the main event. I follow Charlie. You are the closing act, Len. What do you got? <laughs> there you go. Um, listen, Coach Dable told us who Azudu is five weeks ago. No, not five weeks, excuse me. Two weeks ago, when he thought Andrew was coming back, he named the five starters, and he said, Azudu is the backup at four positions. Never mentioned Pert, never mentioned Lemieux, Never mentioned Glowinski. That's correct. He's a backup player, and he and he and he played yesterday. But I think the night. I, I think the kid is. I think he's reeling. I mean, if the reports are right out of the out of the locker room about how emotional he is the last two weeks after the game, we got to give him a little rest. We got to play. Purdy you know, Len. The funny night. thing is that I thought Azudu actually for the first two and a half, and it was kind of the same thing the week before too. For the first two and a half quarters or so of those games, maybe even three quarters, I thought yeah. Azudu actually played okay. And then in both yeah. games in the fourth quarter, the wheels kind of came yeah. off a and little bit. And to for me, the, the, the turning point yesterday was the back-to-back false starts. Because, yeah. you know, yeah, that yeah. to me is an indication. Oh, my God, that whole drive. Yeah, that was in the whole third drive. quarter when that happened. I'd have to look up, but he had consecutive three plays. Penalties. Yeah, three, yeah, there was another one with and another offensive had, lineman. And yeah. he had a hole, too, on a drive, too, at the end yeah. of the third quarter. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, he did. He had three penalties on that drive. And, yeah. and that's an indication. I'll let you continue, Len. But the reason why yeah. I want to expand on that point is it reminds yeah. me of when Andrew Thomas had the, what was it, the false start on the first drive against the Cowboys, and then yes. they backed up, and the wheels on the bus started to fall off. It's yeah, yeah. mentally you start to feel as if the defensive linemen are getting to those offensive linemen. You know, they've got the quick feet, they've got the stutter step, 
And that yeah. may be something that's playing a role with respect yeah. to Azudu. It may be more mental than physical. Once again, my opinion, I'm not saying that yeah. it's accurate. It's just what I'm connecting the dots and perhaps seeing yeah. from that standpoint. You know, the cold hard fact is with Azudu and McKeithen, we better get used to it. They're going to be on this team next year. They're not, they're not going anywhere. Are you still with me, John? Yeah, no, we're listening. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, I'm sorry, because my phone is acting up, and I thought maybe, oh, my God, I lost. No, 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 no really, gotcha. Yeah. Well, yeah, they yeah. were draft I, picks, I think, recent draft picks. So, I mean, yeah, it yeah. would be they're, ridiculous they're gonna, to bail on these guys. They're going to be year. on the team, but they're, they're both backup players. I, I don't understand the picks. We can get – John, we've been through this a number of times. I don't understand either of those picks, but that's for another time. Let me ask you a couple of questions. Sure. Um, did Oshulari and Thibodeau change sides yesterday? Uh, I mean, it looked like Fibs was playing right side and Ojolari was playing left side. I thought Fibs was the left side guy. From the first play, and the first play was a disaster, Ojolari went inside and they got, yep. Wilson took the, yep. and he went for You're right about yard. that. But I thought they switched sides yesterday, and the only thing I can figure is maybe because Armstead was back and they thought Fibs could do better against that backup tackle than, than Ojolari. Kendall Anyway, Lamb. it yeah. came to me. Did you notice that? Lance, did you notice? No, I, honestly, I did not pick up on that immediately. As you mentioned, I really have to go back and review. Yeah. So I, I can't know. say it jumped out at me at the time. Okay. Yeah, you know yeah, what? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I happen, I think I probably did see those guys on opposite sides. They Now, they will rotate every game depending on matchups and stuff like that. Okay. So it is not a okay. hard and fast every okay. week. Those guys are. And, I, okay. I'm, and by the way, just real quick, hang with me. I'm looking up right now exactly what okay. Ojolari did in terms of left and right yesterday. Uh, okay. Yesterday, you know what? He was almost exclusively on the left side, Ojolari. Yeah. He played 22 yeah. snaps on the 20, 23 snaps, yeah, pardon me, on the left side, it. and just yeah. one on the right side. And I can tell yeah, you what I, Thibodeau did in a second. Right, right, right. Thibodeau, yeah. And it just seems like it's been opposite. I don't know. I don't look back, John, but it seems like in previous games it's it's been opposite. And Thibodeau, you know, and Thibodeau when, by the way, Len, Thibodeau was 43 snaps on the right side, eight snaps on the left side. What? Uh, yesterday? Yes. Okay. Thank you. Yep. Um, you know, when we had to put that kid in for Bredesen, when Bredesen got, had the nose problem and went in the tent, I think it was three players. Jalen Thomas. Jalen Thomas. He was the fourth center we've played this year. Yeah, it's a problem. I mean, yeah. that's, that's almost, that's unbelievable. Well, Len, you had two, the two practice squad offensive linemen you had to call yeah. up all the weekend. Both, right. both had right. to play in yeah, this Mayfield yeah. was the other one. At least he has yeah, some yeah. starting experience yeah. with the Atlanta Falcons. And remember. But, yeah, it's not fun. Not in a while, but yeah, yes. Well, yeah. Well, and remember the one thing about these two guys that we called up, and this is this is not a knock. It's just just the fact they were not on the practice squad from day one. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. They're new. They were late additions. They, yeah. they were on the bench opening. They, they were they were on their couch opening day. They've been since started. So. Yeah. But I mean, and they're only on. But they were only with us for about two. I think maybe two weeks or something. It wasn't very long. Jeez, that was that was a mess. Yeah, Mayfield. Well, a little bit longer. Mayfield joined the practice squad. I'm looking up now. He joined August 31st, so he's been with the team for uh, about a month. Yeah. All right. All right. I didn't know that. Boy, I I I missed that name on the practice squad. But uh, in any event, I I haven't seen Pro Football Focus numbers yet. On what are you looking for? Which one? Uh, I thought I'm looking for Neil. I thought, you know, from the naked eye. I'm not an offensive line expert. There was that one play where he just missed, or didn't even whiff. He just turned inside and the guy ran by him. But I thought he played, you know, okay. I mean, not all pro quality, but I mean, he. I thought he played okay. Uh, he had, according to PFF, one sack, seven pressures in 46 yeah, pass black blocking snaps. So not as, uh, you know what, Len? Yeah. He was another guy. That I thought through three quarters he was okay. He had that one yeah. early to your point where he kind of just let the guy go. I'm not quite sure yeah. why he did that. But then, but then in the fourth quarter, the same way with the rest of the line. And this is something we've seen consistently. Once these other teams see that they don't have to respect the run game at all anymore, and they can just go and rush the passer and pin their ear back, yeah. the Giants' offensive line has a lot of trouble keeping them off the quarterback. And that's oh and, and, and that's why that Cowboys game, by the way, went south so quickly. Oh because by yeah. the way, the way Dallas plays. They just try to stop the run as they stunt and try to get to the quarterback. That's how they work. En route to the quarterback. Which is yeah. why yeah. the Giants yeah. have so much yeah. issues against the Cowboys front. So, yeah. yeah. All right, All right. we got to run, bud. Quick, quick. Can, yeah, real fast. Super fast. One more? Give Super you one fast. More? Super fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you know, you talked about the defense and so forth. I, the thing that, I mean, they're all healthy, John. 
Except for McFadden. We're we're all, I, we're, I mean, we're healthy. What the heck is going on? And uh, Hyatt got 33, 33 snaps yesterday. He didn't even get his dirty. No targets. No, fair enough, yeah. Len. We got to run, bud. Yeah, appreciate it. And part of that is, you know, once again, not having the ability to go deep down the field. Remember, the lone game that he was productive was Arizona when the pass protection at least was respectable. Jalen Thomas, by the way, joined the practice squad with Jalen Mayfield simultaneously on the, on the 31st just to set forth that they were here for about a good month. And by the way, FYI, Brian Dable did speak to the media while we're doing this final part of the show. A couple things from Dan Salamone. You can follow Dan on Twitter, by the way, at Dan underscore Salamone. Does a great job uh, tweeting out some of this press conference stuff. Brian Dable said they're, quote, optimistic about Daniel Jones and his neck. He's moving in the right direction. Dable said it's, quote, yet to be determined with Andrew Thomas and Saquon Barkley this week. Barkley is probably closer than Thomas Dable at it, which is not surprised. Barkley at least has been practicing for a couple of weeks yeah. while Thomas has struggled uh, getting on the field. All right, 201-939-4513. Let's wrap up the show and go with David in North Carolina. David, wrap us up today, man. Hey, guys. Um, sorry, I, I know uh, this isn't going to be what John wants to hear, and, and I'll kind of ease into it a little bit here. But uh, I know Charlie touched on it. What what exactly happened with, with Tyree uh, Phillips? Because I thought last year – you could even make the case maybe when Neil got healthy that, and he showed that he still wasn't, you know, quite getting the job done, that maybe the regime kind of said, Hey, you know what? Neil's our guy. We're going to put him in and let him, you know, kind of sink or swim, so to speak. And uh, to me, you could almost have made the case that the better player maybe even should have played that Philly playoff game in Phillips. And then, you know, refresh me. What, what happened that was it health that, that caused him to get cut? Well, first of all, he, he was added to the Giants practice squad, okay? So when you are re-signed to the practice squad, you have every right then to join another team if they sure. give you a more impressive offer before the season starts. Once the season starts, then, you know, you have to be claimed by the other team and you have to be placed on the 53-man roster. So when this happened, and I'm looking up the dates just to make sure I have my facts right, September 1st was when he joined initially the Giants. Then he was released on August 29th the following year. He was re-signed to the Giants practice squad. Remember, we're still not in the first week of the season. Then September 4th, he signed to the Eagles practice squad because he and the Giants went their separate ways. So I don't know what the answer is. I don't know whether it was money, but I mean, I'll stand by what I said. I think the Giants were of the mindset when they evaluated their offensive linemen that they got to get these young guys opportunities, yeah. and they have to get them on the field. And no disrespect to Tyree Phillips, and I agree. I think he played well last season and would have been a really nice insurance policy to have, especially in the wake of what happened. But I think the Giants are looking at McKeithen's now healthy. He missed all of last year. Azudu you want to give some opportunities to. You drafted John Michael Schmitz. I mean, that's three guys you drafted in the last two years. You're going to prioritize those players who are more long-term options, David, than Tyree Phillips, who as effective as he may be, is probably only a rental for the upcoming season. And I think that took priority when they were finalizing the 53-man roster. Yeah, and look, I, I don't remember if your final 53 or initial 53 Lance had Tyree Phillips on it. I know mine did. I think I believe I, mine I think did, the yeah. Tino's did too. So I think yeah. all of us were honestly a little bit surprised that he didn't make the final 50, the, the initial 53, because we had him on. But obviously, look, he was battling an injury for the last few weeks of camp. Whether or not that had a, had a factor in there, too, I don't know. He seemed to get healthy, though, towards the end of the process. Um, so I, I can't speak to exactly why, David. I, I think it's a fair question. But the Giants obviously made their evaluation, and they thought the guys that they kept were better. Otherwise, they wouldn't have kept them. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I, like you said, I mean, you can't, you can't argue against uh, wanting to see what you've got when, you, when you've invested draft capital. So I, I get it, and I, and I appreciate uh, kind of the refresh there. Um, I guess my my next point is, as a fan, you know, it's just it's hard to. I, obviously, there's bad luck involved in a lot of this, and, and I know people don't like to uh, have luck be an equation in sports, but in reality, there there are some luck. There is some oh, luck involved. Absolutely, there's luck, a hundred percent. You know, with with the injuries, I mean, it, it just what really thinks as a fan is to feel like. I mean, what offensively. Do we have? I mean, it's hard to even evaluate anything because the operation is so broken because of the injuries up front. And yeah, and so you try to go back to that Dallas game, and it's like, well, I mean, it looked bad even when kind of all the pieces were there. But and so that so that that's I'll finish. You know, I know you guys got to wrap this up, but I mean, it's it's October 9th, and 
I mean, my God, it's, you know, I don't want to look forward to the draft. But it's like, at this point, how, I mean, how do you evaluate anything? Like, I, I see Karis Campbell catch a pass, and there's a lot of times I'm like, if I see that play one more time where he runs a pirouette around the backfield and then catches it for two yards and gets tackled immediately, I'm just I'm going to throw something through the TV. I mean, but I can't evaluate the guy, what he can do, because that's all we can do is a, is a two-yard out to him. And, and so it's like, I mean, as much as the quarterback costs, and I know there's going to be a lot of people that don't want to hear this, and this isn't an indictment on Jones, it's just the fact. As much as quarterbacks cost these days with the way the season's heading, how do you not look at if we're there in the top four or five just from a financial standpoint of, okay, we can build the team with other impact players because we're not having to pay the quarterback. And granted, I know he's still on the hook for another year. You know, it's essentially a two-year deal with Jones. But I'm a Daniel Jones fan, and even as a Daniel Jones fan, I'm like, you have to look at it if the if the season continues the way it's going. Thank well, you, David. And, yeah, and, appreciate and, the call. Appreciate the call. I mean, as far as the financial point, I really wouldn't point to Daniel Jones's contract putting the Giants in this position, John, because if it comes back to the offensive line and you want to use that money that you would have given Daniel to the offensive line, who were you grabbing that was available? No, Top know. tier. Look, if you don't give him the big contract, you give him the franchise tag. It's one or the other, yeah. and the franchise tag would have been more money on the cap this year than what the long-term deal is. Exactly. But I was also saying there weren't anchors on the offensive line available left and right no, that you were going to bring not. in. You still need to develop the line, okay? And you just paid Andrew Thomas, remember. So... The draft is the way to build your offensive line. Philadelphia, Dallas, we went over. Those guys were drafted, developed, and then paid. You're not going to go out and grab five offensive linemen who are veterans because you just don't have the financial flexibility to do that. So I really wouldn't point to the quarterback contract as something that has inhibited them from shoring up the offensive line. And fans, I'll just say this one more time before we say goodbye. We feel we share your frustration. We wish we were taking calls about this stuff either in week number five, but this is where we're at. And you still have football games to be played. You still have a chance to turn this season around and make it competitive and try to make a run here. And that's what the Giants are going to try to do. Thanks for being with us on this episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live, presented by Cadillac, the official luxury vehicle of the New York football Giants. Tomorrow, it will be Howard and Madeline joining us on the program. For Lance Meadow, I am John Schmelk. We'll see you next time on Big Blue Kickoff Live.